0: you're listening to feral attraction hosted by Matrico, Vero, the science collie on tonight's episode we open with a discussion on the pope and his stance on homosexuality our main topic is on how to live life for yourself we go over a guide on how to not give a fuck about what other people think we close out the show with a question on whether you need to have sex to be polyamorous Hello again, and welcome to Feral Attraction. I'm Metrico. And I'm Vero the Science Collie. So Vero, um, this past Sunday, there was actually, well, this will be two weeks since we record in Indeed. advance. we're recording a little bit before the got in light of Anthrocon. Yeah, yeah since, but... you know, Vero's being, you know... Popular and going to conventions. And, it happens sometimes, and I'm just staying home. But so, two weeks ago now, I guess now that we've given the conceit away because of my lack of foresight, um, Pope Francis was on a flight, um, and he was asked a question about what his view on homosexuality was. You know, what you know whether Christians should feel bad or should apologize. For what happened at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, and he actually gave a fairly interesting response. Um, he he said that you know Christians should apologize for negative behaviors that they have, you know, had towards gay people, and that they should seek forgiveness for exploiting gays and other minorities like women and children and um, certain racial groups for political reasons or for you know driving tithing, or for membership drives. There are a lot of uh, Christian churches, especially independent Baptist churches, that have very small congregations. But uh, in order to grow them, they'll put up little signs that, you know, think like Westboro Baptist, you know, God hates fags, you know, things like that. And Pope Francis said Christians should apologize for using minorities, for using you know, groups of people as a means for political protest or to grow their own membership. Right.
1: And I think it's important to point out that nothing the Pope said is truly controversial based on the actual catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, It's just controversial because a lot of recent uh, leaders in the church have been very conservative and have kind of taken those words in order to apply them selectively against the LGBT community. And so I think the Pope reverting to you know, what the church actually says about minority groups uh, is, is quite a nice thing to see, but uh, it, it's kind of am- almost amusing and disappointing that the church uh, required such a huge shift when that is essentially its official position since the you know, birth of
0: Christ. And so, for those of us who, like me, have been excommunicated preemptively from the Catholic Church...
1: Way to go. I've been confirmed. So I guess we're on opposite <laughs> sides of that spectrum. Yeah,
0: no, I... No, I'm not allowed to, like, you know, give, like, the I believe God is the Father, Almighty Maker. I can't do any of that. See, I was a good Catholic boy in high school. I wasn't out of the closet or anything. Mm, were you an altar boy?
1: No, my, my mom wouldn't let me be an altar boy. Because she 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 thought bad things would happen
0: to me how unfortunate she was probably right (laughs) (laughs) i probably would have (laughs) anyway but for those of us you know who aren't part of you know catholicism or perhaps aren't religious um when Vera says the word catechism um that actually is just a summary of the principles of christian religion and they're basically in the form of questions and answers um kind of like it's 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 a form of call and response for dogma like should we hate christians no should we hate gays no you know things like that so that's what catechism is an example of them would be like we
1: believe in one holy roman catholic church would be an example of a catechism right
0: mm-hmm. so Um, And what the Pope actually said, um, there's a quote that we were able to pull from CNN and we'll link the article. Um, What he said was, I repeat what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, that they must not be discriminated against um, by that um, gay people or other minorities, Um, that they must not be discriminated against, that they must be respected and accompanied pastorally. Um, And he said this um, on a press conference aboard his plane when he was returning from Armenia.
1: Right. And what he means when he says accompanied pastorally, which is also a bit of a weird Catholic. We have to decatholicize a lot of this language Uh because it gets pretty down in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what he's talking about there is the idea of being a a good shepherd for those people. So essentially preaching to them instead of preaching at them, welcoming them into the church rather than uh, kind of abusing them and keeping them away from the church.
0: I know why you were a good Catholic. Because you were a border collie. Correct. We're you good. were the best kind of we're shepherd. were a really good
1: shepherd. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, it's true. <laughs> but I mean, I wore black and white. Mm. I mean, like my aunt. Oh, yeah. Was a nun, like, you know, yeah, with like yeah, the habits, and of course. all of that. Yeah, I actually made my dog a habit once, and she dressed up as a nun because my, my aunt was a, was a nun, right? So we totally that was a, we have I've got that picture somewhere. Was totally. that Trixie or Shadow? That was Trixie. Trixie. Yeah, <laughs> really cute. Anyway,
0: but I mean, the the, the whole
1: crux of this, though, right? So. Yeah, exactly. What I was getting at is the idea is again a very common and popular Catholic position, which is hate the sin, not the sinner. Bullshit. Well, sorry. Right. Continue. But this is a nicer way of putting that, and it's kind of dressing it up in a certain way, which is saying we cannot approve of what the gays choose to do, but the people themselves should be welcomed into the church and should be accompanied and preached to, not at.
0: Well, the Pope even said in the same uh, the same press conference that it's very difficult to condemn an action without damning the person. And so while this isn't a total reversal of dogma of principle of catechism, This actually does have a marked improvement in terms of, you know, the the Pope's official position. I mean, with Pope Benedict, was it the fourth, the tenth, the twentieth? I don't know which. 16th, I think. I don't know which Benedict is what. And I mean, even Pope John Paul III? Second. Second. I don't. I only know the, 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 like, the first part. I don't care what number they are. It's like, I know, I know, I know my, my. Kings of France better. Like I know my Louise. Leave it to your lapsed Catholic co host. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. For so you. even Pope Joel Pope Pope John Paul the Second, I mean he had a very he was revered and I mean his, his um being made into a saint, what is that, Benediction?
1: Uh Beatification.
0: Beatification, that's what it is. Was was expedited along with uh the Mother Teresa's in order to <laughs>
2: Beatification.
0: Beatification Bowling. But I mean, you know, his was his was expedited because he was so highly revered. He did kind of defeat communism. Mm. But I mean, whatever. Who cares about that? <laughs> communism <laughs> was just a red herring. I mean, oh, <laughs> but I mean, the whole point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, this does mark, you know, Pope Francis does mark a rather Distinct change in rhetoric. And and even though the actual position has not changed, you know, the whole hate the sin, love the sinner, the way that it's being framed is far more open and accepting and one of tolerance as opposed to, you know, the Sith Lord that came before him. <laughs> And I mean, even grandpa that was before the Sith Lord kind of, you know, didn't really care that much for those who were light in the loafers.
1: Well, the thing is, Francis is basically saying we can hate the sin, but mm-hmm. who am I to judge, right? Exactly. So that's, that's that's the piece that's being added on. It's not the, we still hate the sin, but who am I to judge the sin? Right.
0: It's, I'm not here to condemn the sin. That's not for me to do. I'm here to kind of guide them to, you know, a place of peace and love and mercy and not delaying other men.
1: Right. I can I can tell them that this is something the church approves of, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to persecute them for it.
0: This has caused a meltdown, for the record, amongst some of the more conservative Catholics. Uh, Bill Donahue, who is the head of the Catholic League, and personal um, enemy of mine, I guess. Like we, we once had a minor war on each other. He kind of issued a few angry, angry missives about me. Um, he had a meltdown on live television that was amazing to watch um bill o'reilly had a meltdown as well that was a little bit smaller but like he was like culture wars (laughs) like he didn't know what to do like for a lot of really hardcore conservative catholics this kind of this change in tone has been rather difficult for them to to process
2: do you think uh, i should buy wine one of these nights and some nice cheese and we just watch that and have a romantic (laughs) evening watching the republicans cry
0: that does sound like a good time (laughs) So, anywho, so, um, you know, there were a lot of, you know, kind of hateful things. A lot of Catholics are starting to disagree with the Pope a little bit on this. But quite surprisingly, the majority of Catholics are very glad for what is being said. And they're incredibly, you know, they're like, this is what we've been feeling for a long time. It's glad to see that the Holy See is, you know, coming into line with the present. Right. And the reason we actually addressed that particular topic on this week's
1: show is because it does kind of relate to our, our main point, which is, to boil it down not so politely, uh, how not to give a fuck in order to be happy. This is part of our month that's kind of devoted to taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. being a kind of whole, self-actualized person. And, you know, the Pope is kind of saying here, Catholics need to not give a fuck about what other people are doing mm-hmm. with themselves. Um, they're saying, you should be you and let them be them, and that's, the, that's that. Who am I to judge? And so that who do
0: mind a judge is really kind of the core kind of motif of our episode tonight, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, it's the whole thing, you know, that he's saying is, you know, only, you know, God is my judge. Only God can judge me. I mean, granted, I say that only Judge Judy can judge me. But I mean, that's what this episode really does boil down to. And we are going to use a lot of profanity as we kind of already have. So, you know, maybe don't have it on the Bluetooth speaker for your parents to hear downstairs on accident because we're going to say fucking shit a lot and fucking shit, and shit fucks, and fuck shit. It's one of our more casual episodes, yes. But it's an important episode, because not giving a fuck is actually really important for you, you know, as an individual. But it's also important for you in the context of a relationship. Or a community. You know, in any kind of group setting, it's important that you don't give a fuck. And I'm not saying that you just do whatever the fuck you want, you know, hurt other people, and just like, well, they told me not to give a fuck. Right. We want to give that disclaimer here. Obviously not. You know, what we're saying is that there's nothing that should stop you from achieving your greatest dreams and desires, as long as that is not hurting other people or robbing banks or something that's incredibly immoral, unethical, or illegal.
1: Right. And what I've tweeted recently, and it's kind of the same idea, is it's not that you shouldn't give a fuck about anyone. It's that you should be intentional about who you give a fuck about Mm -hmm. and not give a fuck about everyone.
0: Right, and we're going to definitely get into that. But it's important to kind of contextualize this. It's important for you as an individual, because that's going to play over into the relationships that you're able to have, both romantic, both platonic, both in workplaces, and sometimes even with your family, sometimes with communities at large. So it's important for you to have the idea that the first person that you should give a fuck about is yourself, and you shouldn't give a fuck about really what other people think about you. It's this kind of, we'll say, ethical hedonism, as you would say, or I, I tend to say it of, you know, just objective selfishness, to where putting yourself forward, putting yourself first, and not really caring what other people think about what you present to them is going to get you a lot farther than you think.
1: Right. And, you know, basically for that idea, giving a fuck about yourself, would we would say, is honoring your integrity. And we have a whole episode devoted to honoring your integrity, which you might want to consult if you would like to hear more about that. But our kind of, you know, conceit in this episode is that once you've, you know, given yourself and stayed true to your own integrity, you know, caring about what other people uh, think about you is actually not very important because if you're maintaining mm-hmm. your integrity going to be keeping your commitments. You're going to be being a good person. You're going to be doing all those things already because that's part of your integrity. So as long as you're being true to yourself, you shouldn't really have to worry so much about what other people are thinking about you.
0: And this actually does play into a lot of our previous episodes. This definitely plays into our integrity episode. There are some portions about nonviolent communication strategies And there's also parts about owning your shit and emotional bandwidth. So this can be considered in some ways a recap episode, but this is actually a really important episode. And I've kind of alluded to this in the past, but there is a distinct power in the phrase of fuck you. And we're going to hopefully empower you to be able to say that to people that are just trying to give you shit. Um, we're going to source a lot of our material from an article, um, titled how to not give a fuck what people think. And this was written by a guy named Sean Kim, and we're going to be linking to it in our show notes. And, uh, you should definitely give it a look. Um, it's fact- kind of meant to be inflammatory. The tone of it is very
1: yeah. much that, but it
0: has, it serves its purpose. Yeah. It's, it's aggressively, you know, uh, how I wouldn't say offensive. Its rhetorical goal is to provoke. Right. It's aggressively provoking. And it's it's meant to kind of burst your bubble and to actually make you think about these things. Um, there, There's a saying that, you know, if you want to get somebody's attention, you have to say sex or fuck or shit or something that's completely out of the norm that people would typically talk about in public. Fuck my boy pussy. Mmm. <laughs> scary. That was... <laughs> what the fuck? That was well, like, now that I've got your attention. That was like a gremlin. Like, you don't feed them after midnight. Like, that's why. God damn it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a Furby sitting on my chest. It's like, lick my boy cash. Like, no. Mm-mm. You know some listener is going to
2: make that a ringtone. I'm, Probably. I'm okay with that, though. If
0: you <laughs> do, fine. please send it to me. I want to make it mine. Just like when my, you know, bank calls. Like, lick my boy cash. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to start off by, you know. How to not give a fuck about what other people think. And there's a prerequisite
1: to that, though. And that's a core realization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's
0: that no one really cares about you besides you. So we live in New York City currently. You're going to be moving shortly, but you're still going to be living in a fairly decently populated city. Um, in New York City, you have the distinct pleasure of never having a private moment. All of your fights, all of your embarrassing moments, all of your trips, your falls, your stumbles, your fuck-ups, they're going to be a matter of just public observance. You can't have a fight with somebody. You can't have an argument with somebody. Let's say you're arguing with your girlfriend. Good news, everybody in your apartment complex is going to be able to hear you. Good news, if you're having it on the street in front of your house, your entire neighborhood is going to hear it. You don't have private moments in New York City. And so what people have to realize is that nobody actually cares about you here and that actually is true of anywhere nobody really cares about you if you're just a random joe schmo walking down the sidewalk that happens to trip and eat it there was um an nsf study a uh, national science Science Foundation. foundation study i knew I'm very proud of myself. I just put NSF, and then I thought it was NSFW, and then I was like, (laughs) there was a 2005 not-safe-for-work study, but there's a National Science Foundation study, um, and people cite this. Um, I'm not able to find this exact study, and the actual thing is that NSF tends to be more of a fund than an actual research organization. Well, I feel like this is a bit apocryphal, but it's probably not completely... Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, it's it's this is one of those things where it's like scientists say, um, and I've seen multiple sources that pull from this, and the numbers are a little bit off, so we're going to kind of widen the gap a little bit. There's an NSF study that people reference, and it says that we have about 12,000 to 50,000 individual thoughts a day. And if we actually look at the extremes of what I've been able to find, we're looking at 12,000 to about 75,000. So we're going to go with this 50,000 number that a lot of people like to cite. Let's say that you as a person have 50,000 individual thoughts a day. If one person takes up 10 of those thoughts, that's a point. That's, that's two hundredths of a percent. You're, you're not even one percent of that person's day you're not one percent of their thoughts like oh hey look that guy looks weird okay what's next and there's a lot of actual reasoning behind that um people you know we as humans we or animal people or whatever you happen to be (laughs) because we're self-aware we filter things through our ego we filter things through a selfish lens of how does this impact me what is this in relation to me what is my you know position on this and what happens with that is we actually ignore things that don't directly impact our life we direct if if let's say that i'm walking down the subway and i see some guy that's panhandling i'm just going to walk by it's not going to be that big of a deal it's just whatever and then from there I move on with my life even if that person looks a little bit weird it's not a little bit funny they don't have a direct impact on my life i don't give them a second thought they are less than two hundredths of a percent of my daily thought process your brain has a way of filtering out extraneous information and that's going to be one of them if you don't really devote a lot of thought if there's nothing that's actually directly impacting onto your life you're just going to kind of forget about it you know Think about if you've ever ridden a school bus before, if you've ever ridden any kind of bus or trans, you know, public transportation before. Even if you've you know, been in a car, stuck in traffic, think about somebody strange that you've seen. Think about somebody strange that you've seen five years ago now. You're going to find that very difficult to think. You're going to find that very difficult to kind of process. Even beyond that, there are certain things that your brain will filter out just because it isn't that relevant to your day-to-day. What did you have for breakfast 12 years ago on this very day? I bet you can't remember. I can't remember because it's not that important. So the brain filters out things that are just are not relevant, either because they have no impact on you, or because their impact is just so minimal that it's not worth remembering. So... What's good about all of this is that if you have a mistake, if you look wild and crazy in public, if you're going nuts, if you're going wild, if you're wild now, as they say, I don't know, people tend to forget you. If if you're not part of their life, if you're just a random stranger on the street, there's a very, very high possibility that they are not going to remember you. And that's for the best. People often overthink that, oh my God, you know, I did something in public i wore a silly outfit in public and now everybody thinks that i'm a weirdo darling you're probably two hundredths of a percent of one person's thought process in a day you're going to be relegated to junk status at the end and when they go to sleep you're going to be forgotten that's not to say though that there aren't going to be people that don't remember that 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 remember you there will be people that you're a part of their life you know Senpai will occasionally notice you. And it's important to actually, you know, focus more on them as opposed to random people, you know, on the internet, random strangers on the street. But it's also important to kind of understand that you're never going to be able to please everybody. You're never going to be able to, you know, do something that everybody is going to like. And there's two problems with trying
1: to do that. Uh, Number one, it's completely exhausting to try to please everyone because it means Mm -hmm. you can never say no to anyone ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll always be saying yes, which means you'll be ba- breaking promises. You'll be compromising your integrity. You will leave yourself with no time. So you will be not being very good to yourself either. Mm-hmm. You'll essentially be worthless to, to everyone at that point. Um, and that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is if you try to be popular to everyone and you try to be everyone's friend, you end up being no one's friend. Mm-hmm. And that's because you invest none of yourself into any of your interactions. Nothing you do or say can be genuine. Because you are trying to people-please constantly, and none of it's coming from a place of actually trying to act on your own integrity, act on your own personal goals, act on your own
0: ambition, Mm -hmm. and move yourself towards um, the direction of greatest courage, as we always like to talk about. I'm going to level with you for a second. There is no way that you're ever going to be able to stop anybody from judging you. There's no one thing that you're going to be able to do that is going to make somebody less judgmental towards you. The one thing that you can control is how you react to their judgment. If you're wearing a Lady Gaga getup and you're walking down Fifth Avenue, you're going to turn heads. People are going to look at you. People are going to think, look at that fucking weirdo. If you're wearing a fursuit on a public, a tail, a pair of ears, oh my god, look at that. If you're wearing a pup hood, any kind of you know fetish gear, people are going to be judgmental towards you. But you can affect how that impacts you. Yeah, I mean, if you run a gay leaning furry sex advice
1: podcast you're going to get death threats as <laughs> we found out <laughs>
0: yeah so the thing is is that you know you can impact you could the only thing that you can change is how you react you know in the case of you know us getting death threats kind of laughed at it in Case some of them are pretty funny yeah i wish that some people would be able to spell Maybe if you're going to send me a death threat, could you at least be creative? I would like it to be a little bit like macrame. If you send me something in the mail, like could you make sure that it's like magazine cutout letters? I want to put it on my fridge. And lacquer it, please. You want it to last. Yes, We're, like
2: You guys should edit it and send it back. <laughs> like, yeah, like
0: I'll take a red pen. Like, no. If you want if you want my editing on your death threat towards me, you should leave a self addressed, you know, stamped envelope. And I'll be more than happy to point out how wrong you are. But the thing is is that, you know we can't allow people judging us to stop us from doing things that we want to do, things that can better ourselves. Um You know, I'm a little bit fat, but I don't let that stop me from going to the gym when there are these really buff guys that look at me and laugh. They're like, look at Fatty McFat Fat on the fucking bicycle. Yeah, you're right. But guess what? I'm not always going to be fat. I mean, maybe I will be. I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm here trying to make myself not be as fat. So that should be kind of cool, you know? For some people, it's, you know, let's say that you're trans and you're apprehensive or anxious about wearing the clothing that you feel is appropriate for yourself in public because people might judge you, people might make fun of you. Unfortunately, we're never going to be able to stop that, you know. If you're wearing clothing that some people might view as out of the norm or unordinary, People are going to judge you. People are going to give you weird glances. People, you know, might try to clock you. And by clock, I mean they might try to identify what your biological, biologically assigned gender was. But you shouldn't let that stop you. You shouldn't let things stop you from achieving your happiness, from achieving the best you that you think that you can be. People will always be there to judge you. And the issue is is that you should never, as Vero said, Try to kowtow to what everybody thinks. You should never try to please everybody. Because what's the worst thing that's going to happen from people judging you? I ask that as a question. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Decatastrophize it. Use some good old fashioned, you know, co- you, know co- you know cognitive, cognitive. Yeah, as we talk about all the time, you know, you really have to think about
1: also the likelihood of this activity coming to pass. Really put a, <laughs> a kind of rational uh, spin on this kind of emotional thought you're having which is that you know everyone's judging me i'm I'm, no one likes me it's kind of this Mm -hmm. catastrophized negative thinking self-labeling all these really negative kind of distortions can kind of coalesce into really kind of a a spiral and you need Mm -hmm. to decatastrophize that situation and think about what is the worst thing that could possibly happen here Mm -hmm. um and there's very, very little likelihood of that coming to pass don't worry about it i mean take our death threats for example um the worst thing that could happen is someone could literally show up and kill me. But is someone random troll on the internet really going to take the time to you know fly a few thousand miles to come and end and my life? I, I don't really think so. It's not really worth it to them. So,
0: and I say this as somebody that has been attacked, that has been shot, that has been you know assaulted in various fashions. Because growing up gay in the South sometimes isn't always the best. Sometimes leading the pride parade means that you know bad things can happen. But you don't allow the likelihood that something is going to happen to stop you from doing that I mean this is the first year in about 10 12 years I think that I haven't been a participant in a pride parade I was present for pride but I was not actually in the parade so that was kind of new for me I had no idea what people did but the fact that you know one year the pride parade that I was at had somebody shoot at us that doesn't stop me from going that didn't stop me from going you know, the likelihood that people are going to attack you, the likelihood that people are going to judge you in a potentially dangerous fashion, you know, a lot of the time you're playing that number up. Obviously there are going to be some cases, there are some localities where you know, it's it's not always going to be that favorable, there are going to be some associations that are just morally reprehensible to some people that they're just going to immediately just like, oh my god, I hate you.
1: Yeah, and, like, you know, don't make out with your boyfriend on a train platform at 4 a.m. when There's no one around. Like, you know, things like that, potentially. You know, like, if you're there with just only a couple people, like, you know, play your logic. If you think you're some, with somebody weird, don't just always assume, oh, you know, the odds are so low that I don't have to worry about my own mm-hmm. safe personal safety. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, in general, don't allow fear to dictate your life. Act in the direction
0: of courage. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, just use common sense. Common practice would tell you holding hands with your boyfriend in public is going to be bad. Common sense says holding hands with your boyfriend in public is going to be good. The likelihood of somebody saying something, yeah, they might say something, but will they actually do something? Are you going to be hurt by the words? Are the words of somebody calling you a faggot going to just completely and totally and destroy your day, destroy your psyche? The likelihood of you having a bad time with your boyfriend is far lower because of somebody else's interaction than it is because you accidentally drop, you know, a plate of food onto his lap. That's what I do. That's how I ruin dates with my boyfriends. (laughs) Because I'm just such a klutz. I'm just like, well, that man outside called us a bad name. And then I drop a drink in his lap. And I'm like, well, (laughs) looks like this date's over. Or I have been that it looks like those pants are coming off. But either way. Well, I mean, if you're in a restaurant, I mean, I mean, it's about to get real with that restaurant. Oof. I
2: mean, it's consensual.
0: <laughs> attention, Olive Garden. You know, there's unlimited soup, salad, breadsticks and cock. Mm. But I mean, oh my God, the, the issue is, is that, you know, in today's day and age where instant communication is, is how most people communicate, whether that's through Twitter or social media or Telegram or some fashion where you can instantly put your thoughts out publish them on the internet in some fashion. There is a sense of instant gratification that comes about, especially with Facebook, with Twitter, with social media, where you can like or retweet or favorite or whatever it is now on whichever social media site you're on. There is a tendency for people, especially on Twitter, because, I mean, we have furry Facebook, we have furry Twitter, you know, there's a tendency that you post something on furry Twitter, you post something super furry, And you expect everybody to jump on it, to favorite it, to like it, to retweet it, to talk about it. You just want all of the attention. You want all of the glory. And sometimes you tweet things that you don't agree with because you know that they're going to be popular. Sometimes, and we've spoken about this before, there are people that just we'll shitpost and will post nonsense because they know that that's what's popular.
1: And they vest none of their own personality.
0: And it's an attempt to please everybody. Well, if I post this picture of something and I make a furry joke, everybody's going to like it, and that's what I do all day long. You know, there's no vulnerability in that. There's no actual personality in that. A robot could do that. A robot does do that. Look up Archelect. You know, there there are robots that just post potentially commonly favorited images things that people are going to like and it does very popular it's a very popular popular account within the furry fandom we don't need that we don't need to have you know well look at this art look at this oh it's a furry pun oh how can i tweet with my little fur paws nobody gives a shit i don't give a shit
1: that's when you can't
0: do that it's fun but it's it's it's, it's popcorn it's not it's not substantive it's cotton candy and I want beef and potatoes. Like, I want a real meal. And Twitter is fun for fluff. Obviously, we all shitpost. I do every now and then. I certainly do, too. And, I mean, Koji is raising his paw. He's an anthropomorphic shitpost. Huh. <laughs>
2: yip, yip, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people who project a personality and don't ever show who they are, like, inside, are mm-hmm. kind of on the fence, bordering on depression, I've noticed.
1: Or sociopathy. Sociopathic projection is a key mm -hmm. facet of sociopathy as well. They become
2: depressed because they invest so much into this persona that isn't quite them. So all of their friendships and all of their relationships are based on a version of them that they have to project 24 7, and it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, so they recently tweeted on the Feral Attraction account if you become popular as a a persona, you aren't popular, your mask is, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the real problem.
0: Especially within the furry fandom, where a lot of our popular community members are... Literally wearing a mask. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it can be a little bit difficult, because the distinction between what is your fursona versus what is you does come into play. And that's why we, we generally try to make the argument here that your fursona should be as close to you as, you know, an individual as possible. You know, it's fun. It's great to have an avatar that's different from you. And I'm not saying that you can't have an avatar that's, you know, a persona that's this big buff bara daddy. With a squeaker. Yeah. When you're a slinky little twink.
1: But maybe consider making that an alt character.
0: Or you know, you're what I'm what I'm saying is that in terms of physicality, it, there doesn't need to be a match. But if you're on you know a social network, if you're on some place where you're representing yourself as an individual. It becomes very odd when the person that you get to know and the person that you enjoy is a completely different person when you meet them in real life. And I'm not saying that, oh, they're a little bit shyer, they're a little bit quieter, they're a little bit more timid. There have been a lot of cases where I've gotten to know somebody through social media where we've spoken, you know, through Twitter, through Telegram, at the time it was kick. And then I actually met them and they were a complete, it was all a facade. I was catfished. Because, well, this is what's popular online, this is how I get to know people, this is what I want to present. And then I meet them and they're kind of a raging asshole. You know, it's fine if you're a dick, it's fine if you're an asshole, but at least present yourself as that to everybody so they can make the best judgment. It's it's very disturbing and troubling to get to know somebody... That's just kind of pleasing everybody, that's being a doormat for everybody.
1: Right. And there's nothing worse than finding out that you fall in love with a hologram.
0: Right. Precisely. And the issue with all of that, especially if you find yourself doing that, is it's actually damaging to you in a long-term growth. You there there's an adage, you know, you reap what you sow. You know, you you get in what you you get out what you put in. And in cases where, in terms of your personality, You're projecting a people pleaser where you're a yes man or a yes woman. It actually damages your ability to grow because you tend to surround yourself with other people that are doormats or yes men. It's very sycophantic. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. uh, Sometimes these types of people will see pleasing their relationship partner as a challenge. Like, oh, they're into tennis. I'm totally perfect at tennis. Oh, they want to go swimming. I'm totally perfect at that. Even if maybe they're kind of afraid of swimming.
0: Well, you know, in some ways that's actually not bad. You know, there are some cases where if you have a fear of something, your partner pushes you towards it. I mean, there's one thing where if you say, like, I am the best ever at chess or swimming or hang gliding. I think what Cody's really trying to get at, though, is that people who
1: try to mirror their their partner or their protective partner often produce this kind of sort of projection because they're trying to ensnare that person, make them fall in love with them. And so they're trying to say, oh, I'm everything that you need. I'm everything you're looking for. I'm, I'm, I, can do, I can do all of that for you. See, And when that's not genuine, that's a problem.
0: I'll agree with that if it's not genuine. If it is genuine, let's say that I'm dating somebody that plays tennis and I'm terrible at tennis. I'll take up that interest because I want to have an investment in their life. If that comes from a place of being genuine, let's say that it's swimming. Let's say that you're terrified of the ocean. And you you have a partner that loves scuba diving. Okay, well, maybe, you know, we can work our way up towards that. You know, there are are ways where you can be accommodating, but it isn't accommodating out of fear of being judged because you don't fit in. You you see what I'm saying?
2: Moving in the direction of greatest courage is always the way to go. If you don't like skiing and you're scared of it, maybe try the bunny hill sometime with your partner there. That would make them so happy and you might actually find that you enjoy doing something. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but to say, preemptively, before you've tried going down that bunny hill, oh yeah, I love skiing, because you want to make them happy, it's not honest, it's not who you are, you're misleading the person to make them happy, which is, you're trying to do the right thing, and even though it feels good right now, it might not feel good later.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, these are good points that we bring up, because the weird thing about when you worry about being judged... It's actually a form of self-fulfilling prophecy, where if you're so afraid about other people judging you, well, as we've kind of already discussed, there's no way that you're ever going to stop people from judging you. So your fear of something that is inevitable is going to drive that fear even further.
1: It's rather Shakespearean in a certain way. Uh, We talk about the lady protesting too much, right, Mm -hmm. where when you become so obsessed and worried about how other people are perceiving you, you try to get ahead of that story and start spinning it ahead of time. You often end up coming across as defensive, and point you have to point out all the flaws and insecurities that you were trying to hide to begin mm-hmm.
0: with. You know, the, there's a saying that, you know, your thoughts color your behaviors or your actions, that the way that you perceive the world will, in effect, color the actions that you have in the world. And if you're always acting in fear of being judged, if you're always acting that, well, people are going to hate me if I do this, people are just not going to like me, people are going to think I'm a moron or stupid, then you're never going to do that. And you're only going to do things that you believe to be the norm, that you believe to be socially acceptable, that, you know, people are not going to find offense to. And the unfortunate part of that is you actually, um, you don't really attract people that will challenge you. When you act like that, you're not going to attract people that disagree with you. You only will attract other people that actually agree with you when you act in such a way. Because like, in terms of personality, tends to attract like. And so if you're acting in a fake way, you tend to gravitate towards people that also act in that projected false fashion.
1: Right. And those people you might feel are your friends, you might be in a clique with them. But those are actually Mm -hmm. psychophants. They're not truly your friends because friends are people who care about you enough to actually challenge you and tell you when you're wrong, tell you when they suspect that you're violating your integrity Mm -hmm. and being called on that and having those flaws and those mistakes pointed out to you is really important for personal growth. And that's why we say it's important to surround yourself with people who challenge you and help you to grow.
0: And it's actually funny. If you don't surround yourself with people that challenge you and help you to grow, you get stuck in that cycle you get stuck in an echo chamber and people will actually judge you for that people will actually comment about um you know well this person's the doormat they will judge you for being a people pleaser so we go back to the whole cycle of being judged because you surround yourself with psychophants you know if you don't surround yourself with people who challenge you and help you grow um there there's a muse song that i really like um it's called hoodoo and the uh, the closing part of that, uh, the closing refrain we'll say is, um, I've had recurring nightmares that I was loved for who I am and missed the opportunity to be a better man. And, you know, if you think about that, if people love you as you are and don't expect you to be better, they don't expect growth, they don't challenge you on your beliefs, they don't challenge you on your existence and say, well, can you do better? You can do better. If you don't surround yourself with people that are like that, then you're going to miss so many opportunities to better yourself. Um, It's said that we are the combination of the five people that are closest to us. So surround yourself with people that challenge you and you'll be a better person for it.
1: Right. Right. And obviously there's a, a bit of overstatement in that muse song to an extent. And, and mm-hmm. to what Metro was saying, we don't mean to say that you should, you know, basically not love your partners that they never are able to get to change for you. Right. Because we don't, we don't want to be put in the position where we're saying, expect your partners to change for you, get to be with somebody because you think you're going to be a good influence on them. and think mm-hmm. you can craft them into being a better person. Right. Right. Because that's not quite accurate either. You you do need to be able to love your mates for who they are right now and not, and, and not expect them to change however you should be encouraging them to change There's i love you as you are mm-hmm. but i want I, I also love you for your potential that's kind of what we're getting at
0: that's the thing like you have to have a two part of love you have to love them for who you are and you have to love them for what they can be and if you're only able to love them for as they are and you are resistant to seeing them change then you're actually holding them back so you can't do that if you only echo what they say like yes yes of course yes of course if you are there is something to be said, you know, for submissives, you know, some people that are submissive in a DS relationship, you know, there is a tendency for there to be a lack of, we'll say discourse when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the time, the dominance will often direct the course of action, will direct the growth, but it's all planned out. It's all measured. It's all contractually obligated. And there's a way out. It's not, you have to do this. It's, you're choosing to do this. Right. And also, as studies we cited
1: previously suggest, there are, is a significant difference in mental well-being generally between dominant and submissives. Part of that being is the dominant is expected to be the more stable partner generally mm-hmm. in those relationships. So the reason that often happens, as Metric was saying, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes the dominant is the more well-adjusted mm-hmm. um, person, and it's trying to get the, the submissive to maybe be a bit more rational, be a mm-hmm. bit less Um, histrionic we might say so in that sense that can be a good Mm -hmm. thing but you know in most DS relationships in my relationship with koji we do have the ability to step out of our dynamic occasionally and have egalitarian Mm -hmm. conversations as equals when it's necessary or when there's a real moment where koji for example feels that i'm being a jackass which is not that often but i definitely haven't had jackass moments and so koji needs to be able to call me on those when they they do happen
0: And, you know, most relationships, especially long term DS that's not seen play, will have that kind of a clause in it for egalitarian moments for the stuff and be like, no, 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 you're an idiot. You know, but like, what I'm, what I'm, you know, really trying to say with all of that is, you know, even in dynamics where there's less of a discourse and it's more of a directive, there is the ability for there to be challenges. There is the ability for everything to be kind of discussed in a way. Or laid out in a fashion where betterment is is, you know, pursued. It can be very difficult for people. I mean, when where I came from, you know, I was a people pleaser and I was very much so, I wanted to be a yes man. I wanted everybody to love me, and I wanted everybody's day to be sunshine and chocolate chip cookies. And that was very damaging to who I was as an individual because I was so worried about what everybody else was thinking about the 50,000 thoughts a day that everybody else had that the 50 people in my life would have on a daily basis that I didn't stop to think about the 50,000 thoughts that I had in my own head. That's not really good because you stop being, you know, you stop focusing on your own needs. So there is a power. And fuck you, there is a power, and fuck off, there is a power in not giving a shit about what people think. How do you not give a fuck though? What what are the steps in that? You know, because when we say like this is how you don't give a fuck, you know, it it, it sounds like a ten step program, right? We're telling you don't give a fuck, but we have to give you how do you not give a fuck, right? Yeah. So mechanism is
1: important here. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: So what's really important first off is you need to know your values. You need, and and you can refer back to our episodes on integrity and all of that good shit, you know. You need to know who you are and what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. You need to know your emotional bandwidth. I mean, I, I actually see, just talking about that indirectly actually. Yeah, you know. They, they say that, you know, you are the five people that you surround yourself with, that you borrow from their influences and their their motivations the most. But if you're so worried about, you know, well, I work with 25 other people and I have to worry about what everybody is thinking. That's 25 people times 50,000 a day that you're worried about. That's, that's a whole lot of like processing that you got to do. Or if it's your 600 Twitter followers, that's even worse, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just, well, my emotional bandwidth is I really only care about myself and what my family and friends and boyfriend or girlfriend think. And if they think I'm out of line, then that's fine. But if some Joe Schmo on the internet, you know, this actually happened to me where I uh, sent out a message about um, it was integrity based. And I basically said that if you, um, the crux of it was if you're going to complain about your life every day, you know, if, if every day that you say something, you know, oh, my life is terrible, my life is in shambles, my life is broken, my life is horrible, and this is a constant for a year, two years, three years, the only commonality in all of that is you, unfortunately, and it sounds like you're the one that's holding you back. And I got a one-word response from somebody, wrong. All right, that's great. I'm not going to worry about impressing them. I'm not going to worry about correcting them or defending myself to them.
1: I'm wrong. Stop the presses, Metrico. Someone is wrong on the internet.
0: Oh, God. <gasps> I can't go to sleep. <laughs> no, it's... it's The thing is, is that my emotional bandwidth does not really allow for piffy, snarky, one-word responses. You know, if somebody has a debate with me, they can have a debate. Somebody's just going to post, like, shit or wrong or bullshit or fuck or whatever. Like, that's fine. That's great. You've expressed your opinion.
1: My favorite is... That's a hot take on that topic.
0: Oh, yeah, that one, too. That one was pretty great. <laughs> But the thing is, is that you have to have that emotional bandwidth and you have to have that inner locus of control. You have to have integrity. We've spoken about this ad nauseum, I know. But without that, you're just adrift. Yeah. And
1: people who, again, integrity is going to be most important for are the people that you're intentional with and people that you choose. As I said, Mm -hmm. towards the top of the show, these are going to be uh, your lovers, uh, your loved ones, maybe your children, maybe your parents. And again, these people, again, you can choose. Maybe it's not your parents. Maybe your parents are abusive and you cut them out of your life. Then not your parents. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your, um, you know, your roommates. Maybe mm-hmm. it's your co- work colleagues or your employer. Maybe it's your teacher. Maybe it's, you know, your students. It, people you choose whose opinions and, and you respect and whose uh, trust you want to earn, mm-hmm. those are the people that you should be concerned with. But random people generally speaking, are not people that you owe anything to. Mm -hmm. And they're also not really people that you should be concerning a lot of your uh, time thinking about and worrying about what they think of you.
0: Right. You don't owe your time to anybody unless you choose to give it to them. You don't, just because you have a Twitter account, just because somebody follows you, just because somebody's your friend on Facebook, just because your second cousin's twice removed with somebody. Just because they asked you for sex. Does not mean that you owe them your time. Your energy, your emotional presence, your emotional bandwidth. You don't actually really owe anybody anything unless you choose. And then it's not them collecting a debt. It's you just kind of, hey, being generous with yourself. So that's the thing. You don't owe anybody anything. You can choose to be generous. But there's no need for you to 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 have to feel like, oh, well, you know, they sent me a dick pic, so now I'm obligated to, you know, suck their dick at the next call. You know, there's no kind of obligation in terms of sex, in terms of emotional bandwidth, in terms of anything like that. So yeah, your time and your emotional investment are Mm -hmm. precious gifts
1: that you should give of sparingly, because you have very limited amounts of both. And you need to be very intentional and very careful with who you choose to invest those in. Think of it as if you were investing a million dollars, you weren't just do that on a whim, right? You wouldn't just feel obligated to give someone $100,000 because some random guy in the street asked you to, right? You would be very careful and cautious with how you disposed of that income. And you would want to do the same with your time and your emotional investments.
0: But even with those that are close to you, your friends, your family, your chosen few, you have to be able to say no. You have to be able to, if you have a core value, let's say that you are broke, and you have friends that want to go out bar hopping and they're just like, come on, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. We're going to go to this bar and this bar and this bar and we're going to have fun and we're going to meet some people. and We're just going to drink and get drunk and wasted. Well, I have to pay rent. Well, come on, man, we can worry about that tomorrow. No, you have to be able to say no. You have to be able to have the integrity to stand up for yourself and to be able to to say no to your friends, to people that you love, to people that are close to you. If you're unable to say no to other people, you still fall into the people-pleaser format.
1: Right. It means you're having a failing really in your personal boundaries. That's going to compromise your integrity. It's also going to prevent you from meeting your personal and professional goals. One of the key teachings of positive psychology, which is hugely influential to me when I was trying to become... Uh, a really successful and productive person you know, going through high school and college when I just kind of got out of a deep depression myself and did a lot mm-hmm. of reading on the subject, one of the really key revelations to me was this idea that successful people are not the people who are really good at saying yes to things. Successful people are the people who are really good at saying no. And it's so important to be able to do that because when you're able to say no to things, you're able to have a direction. You're able to have a focus and a goal, and you're able to make progress towards that goal and to achieve that goal. When you say yes to everything, when you say yes to every distraction, every I am you get, every DM, every tweet, every mention, when you say yes to all of those things and you engage in all of those things, you can't really properly focus on the one thing that's really important to you in that moment. And so you need to be able to say no. You need to be able to preserve and protect your emotional bandwidth and make sure you're not
0: exceeding that. That's actually something that the author of this article, Sean Kim, says at the very end. He says that the most successful people in you know the world have been able to say, fuck you. They have been able to not give a fuck about what people want from them. They've been able to do what they need to get done. And they don't feel a sense of obligation to meet everybody's needs and desires and wants and pleasures. You know, it's important to keep that in mind. But sometimes, you know, people, you know, they they sometimes suffer from the opposite. Where rather than saying yes to everything, they say no to everything. Because they're afraid of what people will think. Oh, well, you should write a book. No, you know, people won't like it. Well, you should, you know, do it with YouTube. No, people won't watch it. They won't like it. Put yourself out there. You got to stop giving a fuck what people will think, what people will judge the content that you put out there. Speak your mind. Stand up. Keep your head up high. Just put yourself out there. The world will come to you. And even though the, it won't be everybody in the world, there will be people that will hate you, that will not like the content that you put out there trust me i know but if you do it with your head held high with your feet firmly planted on the ground and anytime somebody says well this is garbage you just look at them and you give them the power word the ultimate power well fuck you who gives a shit what have you made today right there should be nothing that stops you from achieving your dreams there should be nothing that stops you if you want to produce content let's say that you want to do art do art oh well it's shitty everybody starts out shitty Oh, well, I want to do a blog. Well, I don't know what to write about. Figure it out. Put something out there. Create some content. Write what you want. Well, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I don't know, Vero. Maybe we could do a podcast <laughs> together.
1: I, come here, let's be honest. Our inner voice was telling us, uh, no one's going to listen to this. It's going to be terrible. and We're going to look awful. We mm-hmm. definitely had the inner voice whispering to us when we were starting Feral Attraction, right? Yeah.
0: But did that stop us from actually doing it? No, no. it did not. And there have been times, obviously, where people have said very heinous things, that we're a bunch of animal fuckers, that we've advocated for fucking children, that we are abuse advocates, that we advocate on behalf of people that, you know, uh, like, like keep mentally ill people in relationships. And what have we said to all of them? Fuck you. My favorite, though, is people
1: who at the same time get people complaining that we were too favorable to monogamists and people who are complaining that we were too favorable to non-monogamists about the same podcast. Which is my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, that one was a bit weird where it's like, <laughs> you guys hate monogamy. And I'm like, no. Well, you guys hate polyamory. No. <laughs> uh, I guess I hmm. thought you were doing it right, actually. Yeah. So the thing is, is that, you know, put yourself out there. You know, start the blog, start the podcast, start feel Attraction, live in doubt for a bit. Be surprised about how things have turned out. Ask out that guy or that girl that you've been wanting to for some time, you know. Share your life with others. You know, but choose who you share it with. You know, obviously you don't want to put your life out there on the billboard. Like, I don't want to, you know, buy a billboard or a Subway ad here and be like, Hi, my name is Metrico. These are my sexual interests. You know, there, there's no reason. Some stories don't need to be told. But be more willing to share yourself, share your interests with your friends, with people that you trust.
1: Right. People don't fear failure. What they actually fear is the embarrassment and shame they feel when they fail. If you can remove those components of embarrassment and shame, you can remove your fear of failure. And that's what truly successful people have. Mm-hmm. Is not They don't really have a fear of failure. They fail and, fail and 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 fail until they finally succeed. And you know what? That's all you ever hear about. When you mm-hmm. look at other people and you see how great they are and how wonderful they're doing and you feel shitty about yourself, you are looking at their highlight reel. You're seeing them after all the failures have been cut away and they're showing you their best moments, right? You don't get to have that luxury with yourself. You see all of your gross, miserable failures, and you need to be able to realize no one else really
0: cares that you're failing. They only care about your successes, and that's what they're going to really engage with. I mean, if I had a Wikipedia article about my life, like my biography, it would probably be about 20 years of just fuck up and failure and fuck up and failure and failure and failure and failure and fuck up. And then probably five years of just a whole bunch of calculated failures. And then the rest of it is uh, success here and there and more failure. You know, it's it's obviously, I don't talk about the the negatives, the failures, because whatever, I have to try again. And I would rather dedicate my time and my energy to starting that process again. But yeah, like my life is 95% failure, 4% fuck up and 1% maybe I did it right.
2: And I don't learn very much from one success. I learn a lot from like 10 failures that has more value to me.
0: You know, what I found is, you know, I actually, you know, people think that, you know, I'm very choosy with my friends and everything. And I really am. Like, I am very particular with the types of people that I let in my life because, you know, I find that if I surround myself with people that, that have that, you know, experience, that you know, being resilient in the face of failure and learning from failure versus wallowing in self-defeat, you know, it actually helps me out in the long run. You know, it's, it's people, you know, Omer uh, rub off on you. But, you know, the thing is, is that if you surround yourself with people who are self-assured and live without compromising their integrity, you know, That's a good quality to have in a friend. That's a good quality to have in a close circle of friends because you're going to get those qualities from them. They're going to challenge you on these things. People that tend to, you know, be resilient in the face of failure, they tend to be direct communicators. If you suffer from indirect communication, be a friend with somebody that does not tolerate failure, that does not take it sitting down, that says, okay, well, fuck you. You don't like it. I'll find somebody who does. They tend to be the most direct communicators. They do not beat around the bush. Do you like it? No? Okay, thank you. Bye. You will learn so much from them. You will learn how to speak to other people. You will learn how to speak to yourself. You'll learn how to be generous to yourself and in your defeats and how to be humble in your victories. And how not to take shit to save face. They will teach you so much about how to not cut off your nose to spite, you know, your face. You will learn so much if you surround yourself with people who don't take shit lying down. Who, if they are called out on something, if they're wrong, they own up to it. If they fail, they get right back up. If they, when they fall down, they just get right back up and they keep going. If you surround yourself with resilient, self-assured people that have a secure foundation and integrity, you're gonna go far. <laughs> So you should definitely look to surround yourself with people like that as opposed to people that just are an echo chamber of like, is this our good? Oh, yes, I love it. I love it. It's so good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because you will never graduate from being the best swimmer in the plastic kiddie pool to an Olympic size pool. You might be the best minnow in the shallow little pond, but there are always going to be bigger fish. Do not surround yourself with smaller fish. Get out there. Grow. Learn. Learn. Take from other people. what the, you know, If people are giving you advice, take it. You don't always have to use it, but consider it. If you surround yourself with people that care about your successes, that care about making sure that you don't fall flat on your face after failure, those are the type of people that you need, baby. Those are the type of people that you need to surround yourself with.
1: And the thing is, when you stop fearing that failure, and you stop fearing you know, people criticizing you for your failures you can start using that criticism constructively because you no longer take it personally. When you realize, oh, I don't give a shit that you don't like this, what is it you don't like? Let's just, I wanted to get better. What could I I have done differently here? You Mm -hmm. start being self-critical in a good way, in a a constructive way. And that's really the key to becoming better at anything that you wanna get better at.
2: Mm -hmm. When I'm looking for input from friends, what I like to ask them is, from your perspective, if you were given the same variables that I was given, and I'm not gonna tell them how I reacted yet, I'll give it to them and ask them how they would have handled the situation. Because sometimes what they're doing might have a different outcome that is better than what you came up with.
0: Mm-hmm. What all of this boils down to is a fear of failure, you know, can stop you from doing things that you want to do. Yeah. Consulting other people, you know, can go a long way. But you should never let failure or the fear of failure or the fear that your peers may not like what you're doing to stop you from maybe asking that girl out. Maybe trying non-monogamy. Maybe trying monogamy. Maybe you've been poly and you want to kind of lock it down for a bit. You shouldn't let other people's judgments in your life stop you from doing what makes you happy. As long as it's consensual, as long as it's sane, as long as it's safe. Maybe sometimes it's not particularly safe. Maybe you want to try skydiving. People think you're fucking nuts for jumping out of a pressurized cylinder in the sky, plummeting towards the face of the earth with nothing but a small piece of mesh to keep you alive. But if that's something you want to do, go for it. Achieve your dreams. You know... What the author of this article recommends is creating what's called a growth list. And this is something that I actually do. Um, A lot of people refer to this as kind of like the secret board where you put dreams and hopes and aspirations on a board and you pin it up there and you wait for the universe to do it. Fuck that shit. What a growth list is, take things that you are terrified of. Let's say that you are terrified of scuba diving. Or maybe you're scared of flying. Maybe it's a roller coaster. Maybe it's you're scared of showing your body on eighty Twitter. Things that you can personally achieve. Make a list of them. And then do them.
1: That's it. Maybe it's asking someone out. Maybe it's, you know, telling your friend that you have feelings for them. It could be any number of things. These are the types of things that you want to mm-hmm. eventually let yourself do. Because when you don't do any of these things, you aren't really living your life.
0: You know, start small. Maybe it's, um you know, well... I've always been afraid to, you know, or or nervous, perhaps, you know, I've always been nervous to go to a club by myself. I've always been nervous to, you know, travel by myself or, you know, start small, work your way up there. You know, you don't obviously want to start for the big leagues. You don't want to try shooting for the stars, you know, if you're struggling with taking a cold shower.
2: I will sustain myself on all art commissions right now, even though I've only done like three art pieces and I have no demand for my artwork.
1: That's maybe one leap too far. Yes, you have mm-hmm. to be realistic, obviously. Yup, be safe, <laughs> be realistic.
0: You know, go go with ways that you know are calculated. You know, for me, it's I. For a time, I did struggle with going outside, and so I would challenge myself. Okay, well, today I'm going to go to the store. That means I have to put on real clothes. It means that I have to take a shower. That means that I have to go to the store. And you know, some people laugh. Oh, well, that's nothing for me. That was a big step in the right direction. You know, you start small. You start with things. You know, I went to the store. I didn't go to Times Square. You know, you you try to control your tolerance and work your way up to larger and larger goals. You know, it's things that are attainable. Things that, you know, for you, they're things that you want to achieve. And these have to be judgment-free. You know, people are going to judge you if you make this information public. Some of these things, people will judge you regardless. Oh my god, you have an After Dark? Oh my god, eh, that's gross. Eh, I can't believe that you do that. Eh. Who cares? If this is something that you want to do, this is something that you find personal enjoyment in, oh, you're doing After Dark wrong. Eh. You're a
1: slut. Oh you know. my god, you're having way too much sex. You're having the wrong kind of sex. You know. So we don't, yeah, like, don't, you know, yeah. but it doesn't matter.
2: You're what gives the community a bad name.
0: Yeah, any yeah. of those towards his comments, like, you don't have to take them to heart. Yeah, You just don't. Fuck you. I'm doing my, I'm, I do me, you do you. That's what it boils down to. There are some people that will have input and criticism on every single thing you do. Isn't that right? Yeah. Pretty much. So, if you don't care for their input, don't accept it. If they're not somebody close to you, don't tolerate it
1: and depending on what you're into you know things that you can do to, to get, put yourself in the position where you're putting yourself out there and allowing yourself to experience these things and you know, they might vary if you're you know a furry and you haven't really been to a furry con before maybe you try going to a smaller regional con or maybe mm-hmm. it's even just a fur meet if you're in a city that has a fur meet um, if you are into pupsy, maybe you go to a mm-hmm. pup event and you just go to, to spectate sometime yeah. if you're into uh, the leather community maybe you just go to a leather event and just you know mm-hmm. see what see what's up sometime you know, if you are into polyamory and you're thinking, seeing what that's about, maybe you go to a munch mm-hmm. and you just, you know, get him, grab a meal with some poly people and see what that's about. You can find events and things to participate in that aren't going to be all that stressful or all that difficult just to start out with.
0: And what's important is if these are things that you know that you are interested in, you shouldn't wait to have other people to join you in your interests. You should be willing to travel alone to these things. You should be willing to go by yourself, to go out of your comfort zone. And for some people, that's something as small as, oh, I went out to dinner by myself. Oh, I went to the movies by myself. And
1: that's something I struggle with, by the way. It's not, we're not saying this stuff
0: is easy necessarily, but it's things that are good for you. Hmm. I mean, you know, if you're interested in, like, let's say you're interested in pup play, and you want to go to a puppy and handler's event, maybe all of your friends are like, you're a weirdo. Well, that's fine. Still go to it. Expand your horizon and watch the wagon go a further, further distance. Allow for the experience of your life to be broadened. You know, let you cast the people that say you can't into the shade that is the height of your existence. Grow tall. (laughs) Never be afraid to go alone to these sorts of things. It's going to be okay if you do. Start small, though. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> there is a time where, like, I, I mean, I got into Dungeons and Dragons because I went to a, an event by myself. All my friends were like, oh my God, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it's nerdy. Yeah, we're, we're role playing fantasy. I mean, pff, but I had a blast and I met a lot of people. And I was able to kind of, you know, gain experience from that and, and knowledge and understanding that really has benefited me for, for really the better. So, you know, being able to travel alone, even if it's, you know, something as small as to a club, or if it's as large as going halfway across the world by yourself and not knowing anybody there and having everything in a backpack, you know, going out of your comfort zone to expand the horizons of your existence goes a long way in ensuring that you can then come back and just say, well, fuck you. You think that I'm out of my mind? God damn it. I just hiked the Caucasus. Like, Who gives a shit? I don't care. I met a Sherpa. Like, you're fucking shit. I don't give a shit about you. Who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, people think that, you know, people that live in New York are kind of aggressive and they're kind of mean. We just don't give a fuck about you. And that's the truth. If you come at us with an attitude, I don't give a shit. If you're a tourist and you're lost and you're like, could you please tell me which way it is to the High Line? I will point. Get out of my way. Have a good day. Goodbye. ma'am, ma'am, Thank you, Pam. Like, I don't care about your existence because I don't have time to. And that's because I've set my emotional bandwidth to that. I'm not going to, you know, if a cashier, and I've experienced this in the Midwest where like I'm trying to buy something and I'm in, I'm at the, you know, checkout line and I'm like, okay, I've got like two, three things. And the cashier's like, okay, oh, hey, how's your day? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. How are you? And she's like, well, my boyfriend, Tom, just broke up with me. I'm just like, I appreciate it. But mm, can we, can we cut the like abridged version? Like, can I get the Charles Dickens like two second clip?
2: I would call that a noise
0: gate.
2: (laughs) mm -mm.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, you know, for me, like, I got into conventions by going to small, you know, comic book shops. You know, for people that want to go to conventions, like Vero said, maybe you go to small regional ones. Maybe maybe your city has, like, a fur group that, rather than having conventions, they just have parties. You know, maybe they have picnics, or they go out on the town. Maybe they hang out at parks. Maybe there's a movie night. By slowly raising your amount of exposure to a group that, you know, you could potentially be judged for being part of, pups, furries, I don't know, drag queens, whatever, whatever, you know, Dungeons and Dragons nerds, you know, start small, work your way up. It's like a dildo. You don't want to stretch yourself too far too fast or else you're just going to break your ass and you're never going to enjoy it. Train yourself to get used to large groups of people you know train yourself to enjoy being with people that you know you might at one point have judged yourself work small find ways that you can slowly integrate yourself into those communities and when people judge you for that oh my god i can't believe you're a furry oh my god i can't believe that eh, eh. let the mouth breathers breathe you're fabulous you're amazing You're doing what you want to do. You're achieving your dreams. You're making your life a better, happier existence. Let the naysayers naysay. Let the mouth-breather's mouth breathe. Let the people that judge judge. Fuck them. So we have a question uh, that we received from our feedback form, and the, the questioner asked us to remain anonymous, and... It actually pertains to sexual activity in a polyamorous relationship. Um, The question is, um, Is there such a thing as being polyamorous while not wanting sex from anybody but your primary partner? See, I find myself falling in love with others outside of that relationship, but I'm not interested in having sex with anyone but my mate. I should clarify that she does know about this as we talk about it all the time, and she has even stated on a few occasions occasions, occasions, that she would not mind if I wanted to have sex with them so long as I tell her my feelings have progressed that far. I just don't think that they will. I'm just very confused and wanting to know if only I feel like this. So, the question is, can you date somebody, or be in a relationship with somebody, I guess, without having sex with them?
1: The answer to that question is yes. And we call those types of relationships often companionate relationships. Uh, Mm -hmm. They can also just be friendships in certain circumstances.
0: Um, There's also a term within the poly community called non-sexual significant other or NSSO. And it's somebody that you are in a long-term committed relationship together. Maybe you're married, you have joint finances, you have a house together, all that good shit. But you just don't fuck.
1: It's actually a fairly common outcome in uh, marriages Mm -hmm. between people who might not actually have uh, married the person of the correct gender to what they're actually attracted to. Mm -hmm. And what often can happen when these uh, relationships open up is that they maintain that life bond as a companionate relationship that is non-sexual and then go on to seek other partners who might conform better to what
0: their sexual interests truly are. You also see this in cases where, let's say that a couple has children and they don't want to, they, they want to get a divorce, but they don't want to break up the family. So they enter a companion relationship where they stay together to raise the kids. And then once the kids are old and grown, then they get their divorce and then they split apart and then they move on with their life.
1: And they might be having sex on the side during that period yeah. to get their needs met without really necessarily discussing it
0: openly. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a lot of of we'll say evidence that plenty of people feel the need for these types of companionate relationships, these non-sexual significant other types of relationships, you know, it's, these are important things to discuss with your girlfriend, as you said, that you've been doing though.
1: Right. And the thing about polyamory that enables these types of relationships to exist really well is it really is kind of a a beautiful thing. It's one of the things I love the most about polyamory is that Mm -hmm. you don't, when you broaden your mindset and don't try to obtain everything from one person, Mm -hmm. you can obtain unique and valuable things from different people and not have them need to be everything to you. So maybe this mm-hmm. one person is the person you love going to the movies with. And maybe this person is the person that you love, you know, staying, staying in and cuddling with. Maybe this person is the person you love skiing with. And maybe this person is the one you play tennis with. And you mm-hmm. might love all these people and have deep emotional connections to these people, but you don't have to put your dick inside of or have their dick inside of or etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them. Maybe that's just not a connection you value with those people sometimes. And that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, so, you know, I guess the whole point is, you know, it's completely fine to, to have these types of relationships, and actually it's quite healthy to have them, you know. Love doesn't always have to include sexual contact, and, you know, some people do equate the two like that, where you have to, oh, I love you, so ergo, we're fucking. It's completely okay, and it's completely fine to love somebody without having to get your dick wet with them, or, you know whatever your sexual activity of choice is. (laughs) So no, you know, still continue to talk with your girlfriend, still continue to, you know, say, well, I'm interested in, you know, seeing this person, you know, date them, court them, treat them as you would any other type of partner. You just don't need to have sex. And make your intentions clear for the record. If you're going to be poly and you want to enter into a non-sexual significant other or companionship, 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 Companionship. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) Companionship, you know, style relationship. You know, make sure that your intentions are clear from the get-go. Make sure that you express that I'm not really interested in having sex. I really don't want to seek sex with you. If it happens down the line, it happens. But just understand my intention is that we're not a sexual partnership. And if you don't want that, then we'll move on. That's fine. State your intentions from the get-go. So you are not alone in this questionnaire so thank you for your question though it's um it's actually one that we hear quite often um offline especially where people that are asexual are questioning whether or not they can enter into healthy relationships they can i mean To be fair, the likelihood of anybody having a healthy relationship, you know, exists, you know, regardless of what their sexual orientation or interests are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, healthy relationship does not require sex. I've had plenty of unhealthy relationships that didn't have sex or did have sex.
1: Either way, really. I mean, sex (laughs) sex and relationships, sex can enrich a relationship or sex can destroy a relationship. It all Mm -hmm. depends on how you use it and what your intentions are. And Mm -hmm. all those things can play out differently for different relationships and different people.
0: Absolutely. So... Next week, we're going to continue our trek during our happy fun time theme month of, you know, taking care of yourself, of, you know, making sure that you are the best you possible. And next week, we're going to talk about body image and self-love. How to love the you that is you. And as someone who lost 70 pounds in college
1: and still feels like an ugly fat kid with really bad acne, this is something that I struggle with myself, even to this day. So it's going to be a bit more of a personal episode for me. Mm -hmm. And I
0: mean, as a chubby guy, it's going to be good. So we're going to have fun with it. It's going to be, it's an important topic because a lot of people don't really like discussing body image or how to love yourself, no matter your size. I mean, we're going to talk a little bubble about, you know, psychology and health, and I don't know, I'm probably going to reference geometry at some point, I don't know. Let's be honest, it's just about how to have sex with the lights on. That's basically. exactly how it is, like yeah. how to have sex with the lights on and, you know, without being put in a paper bag
1: or keeping the fursuit head on
0: that was the worst sex that i've had god damn it <laughs> they're like put on a bag and i'm like that's plastic they're like we know
1: I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, don't we are fan mail
0: <laughs> speaking of fan mail if you would like to send us a letter a question a comment if you want to send us a death threat visit our contacts page <laughs> That's at feraltraction.com slash contact. We have so many ways for you to get into touch with us. We have a contact form right there. Boom, right there. Fill it out, anonymous. If you want us to get back in touch with you, leave a way for us to do that. We have a Telegram group. If you're on Telegram and you like chatting on Telegram, we have a lively group. In the time that we've been recording this episode, um, I don't know how many hundreds of messages that we've gotten. Let me check. They've become a community. It's kind of um, scary. About 150. For this short little episode. So, we have a nice little community of people there that are pretty casual and pretty great and pretty fun. And you get to listen to me talk about dicks in real time. Um, You know, we have a Facebook, we're on Twitter, we have an Ask FM, a Reddit, we have a a subreddit, there's an IRC that two people use. You know, there's so (laughs) many ways to get into touch with us. So, please take advantage of them. And if you are of the mind that you would love to help support us in producing this podcast, we have a Patreon, and we have different tiers that you can subscribe to, and yet again, you know, we're not going anywhere anytime soon, whether or not we have people that subscribe to us that become patrons or not, but your help, you know, your donation does help us, you know, produce content, upgrade our studio equipment, and, you know, just make sure that we're able to focus on content over, you know, the nitty-gritty of things, so that really helps us out a long way, and for everybody that has donated, thanks. We appreciate it. Um, another way, if you're not able to donate financially, that's completely fine. Or if you choose not to, if you leave us a review or a rating on iTunes or on the Google Play Music Podcast Emporium, that goes a long way in boosting our visibility, and it really helps everybody, you know, to access our you know media, access our podcast, and our content.
1: And if that's too much for you, just tell a friend who's having some relationship issues about our podcast, and you know, spread spread the word around a little bit for us. Mm-hmm.
0: So, really, you know, there's so many ways that you can get in touch with us, and there's so many ways that you can help us, you know, kind of make sure that our content is able to reach people that desperately need it apparently.
1: Yeah, it sounds contrite, or it sounds trite to say, Yeah,
0: but help us help you, right? Yes. Let us say it for you. You know, <laughs> Let us say the things that you want to say. <laughs> let, us, let us be that voice. Knock, knock, knock.
2: Excuse me, sir, do you have a moment to talk about feral attraction?
0: No. No. no, 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 <laughs> no, no! no. <laughs> oh my god! But if we did it in pop hoods, yes, door to door in Pup hoods. Okay, yes, and yes. And we, could be, we could be we could be pop evangelists. Yes, <laughs> pop evangelists. <laughs> yes, that's great. Just like head tilts and like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, can I help you? Head tilt. <laughs> we
1: need to do an April Fool's episode where we talk about like, pupvangelism if it's like an actual thing at the top of the show and like condemning it like violins mm-hmm. on television brothers and sisters I am gathering you we have ya. a scourge it is a scourge of
0: evangelism. We will not let this sickness in Kenya... <laughs> Actually, in Kenya, they, they're upholding... Uh, well, We'll talk about that next week, but Kenya is doing some fucked up shit to gay people. We'll talk about it sometime. All right. I fucking can't do it. But until then, I'm Metrico. I'm Vera the Science Collie. Be well. <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs>